Welcome to Cold Wave Soundcheck, Episode 5. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves began in 2012 as a memorial concert for fallen Chicago musician and soundman Jamie Duffy. The original event was a 14-band affair over a single night leading into what is now a two-day showcase at Metro. A portion of the proceeds benefit Hope for the Day, local suicide prevention charity. Thursday night, September 24th, is the kickoff show featuring the late Jamie Duffy's band Acumen Nation with Rabbit Junk and Dissector at Double Door. Tickets available at DoubleDoor.com. Friday night, the acts are Godflesh, Lustmord, Lead into Gold, Author and Punisher, Purian, Lab Report, and Two from the Eye. Then Saturday, the acts are Frontline Assembly, Popolite Itself, Severed Heads, Cocksure, High Functioning Flesh, Rorschach Test, and Human Traffic. Tickets available at MetroChicago.com. Check out previous episodes for interviews with Author and Punisher, Lab Report, Two from the Eye, and Rorschach Test. This week we talked to Graham Crab from Saturday performer Pop Will Eat Itself. Let's kick things off with a classic from 1993's The Looks or the Lifestyle. This is Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies. Save the 
So I kind of wanted to start with when I feel like you guys broke out in the United States, Dos Dedos Mi Amigos album. That was a little different from what you guys were doing earlier. Yeah, I mean, we'd gotten heavier before, I think, perhaps on the This Is The Day album, which was the, the second one. We kind of got to a point where we'd kind of perhaps exhausted the, the sampling possibilities for a while because... The lawyers were coming down heavy on that and we really needed a different sort of edge to our sound and I think the that sort of heaviness and the, the sort of industrial beats and the grind perhaps took the place of the samples as we'd, we, you know, we'd kind of pushed the sample thing and as I say, it wasn't, we were on probably dodgy legal ground anyway if we carried on down that route. It was perhaps born at... Partly out of necessity, although I don't think we we I don't think that was a conscious decision at the time. It was just kind of how we evolved. And then I think everyone was eagerly anticipating the next thing from you, and then that was it. Yeah, it was a shame, really, the way it happened. I mean, I just wanted time off from the band. My I just had a, a son born, um, and we'd been touring for sort of nine months, pretty solidly, and I wanted to take time out before getting back on the road and uh, I put this to the band but they wanted to be back on the the treadmill. I offered to write for the band but they they passed that opportunity up as well so I kind of felt I didn't really have any option but to, to leave the band which is a shame that you know we couldn't pull together because things were were starting to happen but uh, maybe that was maybe it showed that there were perhaps a few cracks appearing in a relationships that we'd been in each other's pockets for so long I mean we're great friends now but you know when you live together that long and you're you're stuck in a tour bus together (laughs) it gets a bit fractious I guess tell me about doing the reunion shows and then creating some new music well we'd got got together I mean we talked about that for a couple of years really before it happened and uh, when we did the 2005 reformation the idea was that we were basically reforming the band and uh, carrying on as normal and that was the intention and we did the shows and they were great and then we started writing but soon into the writing Clint said that he couldn't really uh, commit to it because of his his work schedule with his composing so that really was was the end of it but I was still keen that kind of eventually led on to um, putting a new band together in 2011 
So tell me about the this new lineup that you guys have. Yeah, it's uh, some some great names, really. It's Mary Biker, who you might know from Gay Bikers on Acid, Apollo 440, and then he did uh, some industrial stuff in the States with uh, Pigface. So he's my co-vocalist. Then we've got uh, Tim Muddyman on guitar, who plays for Gary Newman. Uh, we've got Jason Bold on drums, uh, who's played for Killing Joke. Our bassist is uh, Davey Bennett, who plays for a Birmingham UK band, This Burning Age. So uh, it's a bunch of great musicians, and we've all become very good friends as well. Putting the new lineup together, I was sort of aware that it had to be quite impressive because with Pop Will Eat itself, Mark One, what we had really, it was the opposite way around. We had a group of friends who sort of grew into the band. With Mark Two, it kind of worked the opposite way around where we had to find good musicians who were interested and, and see how it went. And, you know, a lot of questions were asked you know, to to find out the personalities and, and meeting each other. And it's all worked out very well, you know. So the first new album you put out, stylistically, how does that compare to the previous stuff? Um, it's perhaps a bit more on the electronic side of things. Being the first album back, I think, uh, in hindsight, I was probably a bit too much of a control freak on that one. So it's it's probably got a lot of me on it, as opposed to the other members of the band which is something really we've, we've rectified with the new album, which is very much a band effort. Everyone's involved in the songwriting, the production, the playing. That, that's kind of really the difference between the two albums that we've done. But yeah, I think New Noise perhaps harked back more to something like uh, Cure for Sanity, which is a bit more electronic, but still with the, uh, the heavy edge. So when you play at Cold Waves in September, I think that'll be your first show in the U.S. in... Over 20 years? Do you know the last time you played in the States? Uh, yeah, it's got to be over 20 years ago. I think probably 95, I should imagine, yeah, was the last visit. So it's, it's basically it's going to be uh, myself and Mary Biker, and we've got a, a band called End of an Era who are going to be backing us. Because uh, I don't know whether you're probably aware of the way the, the visa situation works over there, and we've got to buy a separate band visa. And flying everyone over from the UK was just going to be too expensive. So this time it's going to be me and Mary and uh, maybe we get the rest of the band over at some point in the future. But uh, uh, that's how we're doing uh, Cold Waves and the other shows that we'll be doing. I think we're going to be pretty much around the East Coast and then we'll come back and do the West Coast probably uh, next spring or something. Don't hesitate 
artistically, you know, visually from the beginning, I feel like you, you guys had a very distinct, you know, visual style with the, the artwork and the, and the logos and stuff. Designers Republic. So tell me about working with them and how that influenced, you know, the way you were able to present yourselves. Yeah, I mean, we first got into their stuff. They came to see us at a recording studio, and it was when we were, we'd first got involved in using lots of samples and stuff. Their artwork seemed to be done in exactly the same way that we did our music. You know, they pieced different things together that they'd taken, and then they'd try and create something new out of it. And it was all vibrant colours and, and multi-layered and lots of texture to it, which was you know exactly like our our records were at the time so it was the perfect complement to what we did and we've stuck with them ever since so that was 1987 I think they did their first bit of work for us and they've just done the last album too as well and done a grand job so we've uh, stuck with them ever since because I think the fans see it that way now you know they they buy a pop will eat itself record they want the designers republic artwork on it the new album that you have out now anti-nasty league so that's available now on your website so you're only making that available through a physical copy but once you order it you can get a, a an immediate downloadable copy yeah i mean that's it really it's a, a stance against streaming really because uh as you know streaming is something that was con- concocted between the you know the rights holders and the um streaming providers and they seemingly wrote musicians out of the uh equation so i don't know how that's gonna pan out um it may well be that what we're doing is that you know might actually cost us money and that we don't get across to so many people i don't know but i just think the that particular music biz model is is fucked and I don't see why we should have to go along with it. So it's our stance that we're not we're not going to play ball. You know, if people want a, a Pop Will Eat Itself record, then come to our website and, um, you know, get something great, get a, a physical copy uh, with the artwork. And there's, uh, you know, some good packages there. You know, that's that's what we've got to do as an independent band, really, to, to make a living these days because the music biz... <laughs> Is uh, is has been decimated, really. Okay, Graham. Is there anything else you want to uh, promote or plug or let me know about? I'm also doing a solo project at the moment, which goes by the name of Je Suis Krabby, and it's there's a five track EP available on the uh, on the Pop Will Eat Itself website. So if people are interested and want to take a look at that, that would be great. 21st Century English Civil War and Watch the Bitch Blow are off of Anti-Nasty League, available now on popleadeitself.net. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes to keep up with new episodes every Wednesday in July and August. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Accumination. Next week we talk to Lola Rat, V6, and Rehab from Human Traffic. As always, our closing segment is dedicated to Jamie Duffy, the inspiration for the original Cold Waves Festival. This clip is from Rally and Sustain, the Crack Nation documentary, and has Acumen Nation members Jason Novak, Ethan Novak, and Greg Lopez, along with Jamie's mom, Pat Duffy, remembering when Jamie joined the band. We're starting to realize that we wanted to have the drums playing full-time. So the thing was to get another guitar player because then it was Jason would just be playing guitar by himself. I was terrible at playing guitar and singing at the same time, still 
find it something that like I think you have to just know how to do. You're born with it. I'm convinced. All of a sudden, there was this guy that was there. It's like, who's that kid? He had, Jamie had really long, dark hair. And he was pale white and, and skinnier than, like, you know, Jarvis Cocker. It was crazy. He was a, um, an engineer, like a second engineer at Chicago Tracks where we did a lot of recording. And uh, he was just at our sessions and then we're playing shows and all of a sudden here's this kid who's like moving amps and tuning guitars and doing stuff. He just was like, one day there was like a light switch and then boom, Jamie was just there. You know, and he was na his nickname, you know, he was the kid back then because he was so eager and so young so baby-faced and just so excited and you know we were relatively young too but it was just there was a now a younger you know somebody exciting to feed into what we were already doing but I think Jamie's first show was a uh, uh, shows that we did at the Metro opening for Chem Lab and KMFDM. I remember you know coming to his his first show and just being so surprised and excited and seeing, you know, my son on stage and he's very happy doing what he's doing. He was in, but we were like, you motherfucker. We went through three or four years now of just punishment, playing in some horrible clubs with shitty gear in front of 20 people. And you join the band and within two weeks you're in front of five, six hundred people at a sold out Metro show playing in front of, like, you, you got in at the right time, man.